Okay, Maggie, thank you so much. Jack and team, thank you so much for leading us in worship today. We're so happy that you have joined us this morning. I truly believe that God has a message for us, so let's open in prayer. Father, you certainly have our attention as we live through these times, and you have always used such times to teach your children, to grow your people, to build and expand your kingdom. So we simply ask today that you would give us ears to hear for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Well, what do you make of dreams? Do they all have some deeper meaning? This last week, there has been much talk in our culture about dreams. NBC has reported in the pandemic that more people are dreaming and remembering their dreams. In fact, they're calling them quarantine dreams. Social media has gone crazy with people talking about their dreams. 26 million plus hashtag dreams are out there. In fact, my daughter let us know that she recently dreamed that her mother, my wife, was with child. What in the world does that mean? I know that I will not be asking for an interpretation of that dream. Well, dreams are not new. They've been happening forever. 2,600 years ago, 600 years before the time of Christ, Babylon, the superpower of the day, overran Israel. Chuck set the stage so well last week from Daniel 1. Nebuchadnezzar was one of the most powerful and brutal rulers in the history of the world. His plan after conquering the southern kingdom of Judah was to take the smartest, the most influential, the strongest, the best thinkers and leaders from Jerusalem back to Babylon. There they would be trained to become Babylonian in their ways. Then they would probably send them back to train those in Jerusalem to become Babylonians also. Well, the Babylonians were not counting on men like Daniel and his three friends. We will see what these men who were in relationship with their God could do. Today and in the coming weeks, we will see the incredible faithfulness, provision, and protection of God. And we will also see what it means to be a faithful follower as we see Daniel empowered by the God of heaven, whom he mentions five times in our passage. In all his power and the luxuries of the gardens and the palaces of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar could not get a good night's sleep. And he was experiencing these dreams, which were very troubling to him. Let us hear God's word, Daniel 2. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before him, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. Well, in ancient times, the people believed 
that the gods would speak to them in dreams. And even today, we hear of dreams with Jesus coming to people, especially in the Muslim world. The king is having dreams. He calls in his wise men who are happy to be of service to the king. They say, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. But this is where things start going south. Verse five, the king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Okay, this just went from a nice little kid story to something far different. The wise men are thinking that is not how this is supposed to work. It would sort of be akin to a family argument taking place and one spouse is upset and you might say, what's the matter? Just tell me what's going on. And the spouse replies, no, you tell me what's going on. But with the king, this is life or death. Coming up with the dream itself is one thing, but the cutting into pieces part. So the wise men try again. Verse seven, once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The wise men are saying, just tell us the dream. The king is steadfast, knowing that if he were to reveal the dream, they would come up with some meaning for it. Anyone could come up with some meaning, but not just anyone can tell and know the dream. He knows they're stalling. Verse 10, the astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. They are trying to reason with the king. But look at the king's response, verse 12. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Now, obviously, Daniel and his friends were among those to be killed, although it doesn't seem that they had previously been with the other wise men before the king. And it's here that Daniel becomes proactive. Verse 14, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put the wise men 
to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Daniel becomes aware that the king is demanding to know not just the interpretation, but the actual dream itself. Daniel asks for some time. And it's so powerful what Daniel does next, and also very instructive to us. Daniel responds by seeking his friends and praying to the God of heaven. Verse 17, then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Remember the wise men in verse 12 saying, no one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. Daniel knows that his God can reveal. God is the God of heaven for Daniel, and yet one with whom Daniel is in vibrant relationship. Much of our world today would agree with the wise men. They would not acknowledge a personal God, active in our affairs. In fact, just recently, a governor of our country recently, um, regarding the, the progress being made against the coronavirus, said, God did not stop the virus, we did. Some of you remember the song of Bette Midler talking about a God who watches from a distance. She sang, from a distance the world looks blue and green. From a distance the ocean meets the stream. From a distance there is harmony and it echoes through the land. It is the voice of hope, of peace, of every man. God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us. From a distance she sang. And this truly captures much of the thought of our culture. If there is a God, he is out there somewhere, either uninterested or unable or unwilling to get involved. He only watches and that from a distance. And that is not the God whom Daniel knows. For the God of Daniel is a personal God, the personal God of heaven. When you and I face crises, we would do well to learn from Daniel and to seek friends and to pray. And I know many of you have been doing that because you know that while the gods of the Babylonians do not live among humans, you know that we have a Lord Jesus who indeed took on flesh. John 1 tells us, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And he dwelt among us for a reason. Philippians 2 says of Jesus being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Amazing 
The gods of the Babylonians did not live among humans, but our Lord took on flesh and death for us. Jesus rescued us. And as we look to Jesus, may we also look like Daniel as we seek friendship and prayer together. And as the friends pray, we see the amazing beauty of God's faithfulness as God answers and provides for the need. In fact, verse 19 says, during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Throughout the book of Daniel, we see that God is faithful and God provides. And as we look at ourselves, we also see that God is faithful in so many ways to us as individuals and to us as a church at Orangewood in the midst of the chaos. Let me mention just two examples here. First, it was just two weeks before we went virtual that in God's providence, the pastoral search committee brought Tyler and Rachel Groff to us. And Tyler preached on March 1st. And then the members of the congregation voted to call him as our next lead pastor. Praise the Lord for his timing. We don't know what situation we would be if that had been planned for just a couple weeks later. Right now, Tyler and Rachel are in lockdown in Michigan. They're selling their home. They're giving leadership at Ward Church and making plans to move here late this month. This month, May, we're so excited about that and God's faithfulness to us. Secondly, a few weeks ago, you recall that we mentioned to you that an anonymous donor family, knowing that the church was struggling with finances as we were not meeting physically, offered a matching gift of $50,000. Half to go to the general operating fund as the church continues functioning and in some ways even has additional expenses like the streaming of these services every week. And then half was to go to the deacons fund to help our members during this time. God moved in your hearts and you responded in love and in faithfulness and that amount has been met. Let me just say, even as Emmy did, that if you have needs, and we know some of you have lost jobs and are in need, please go to the deacons. They are there to help. But praise the Lord for his faithfulness to us. God is working through all of us and in all of us. And again, we see the response and the action of Daniel when God does answer and provide. Daniel responds by praising the God of heaven. Verse 19, then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Our great God is personal and he is praiseworthy. Daniel ends his praising saying, you have made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. 
And so Daniel goes back to the king's executioner. Verse 24, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Daniel is not simply out to save himself and his three friends. He is concerned to save all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel rescues others, and we too must have the interest of others in mind. Then verse 25, Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. Arioch seems to be self-promoting here. He does not say there's one who can tell you about the dreams, but he says, I have found a man who can tell you. And we live in a world of self-promoters, do we not? What about you and me? We will see something very different soon. Verse 26, the king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. Now, Daniel goes now beyond praying and praising. And Daniel proclaims the God of heaven. Daniel says, no wise man can explain what you, O king, want. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Daniel continues, verse 29. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Remember, Arioch has self-promoted. I found someone. And here is Daniel, the someone, the one who has the answers for the king. And Daniel says, as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive. Daniel acknowledges that it comes from God in heaven. Daniel has a humility and he does not self-promote. How about us? Daniel continues with the actual dream. Verse 31, your majesty looked and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. 
The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. The upper parts of this statue are made of metals, gold, silver, bronze, iron, and the feet are of iron and clay. What is clear here, even before getting into the interpretation, is that foundation matters. You do not build with strong and valuable metals upon a foundation of clay, something brittle and easily broken. In fact, our usage of the term feet of clay comes from this image. And we certainly can stop here and consider what we are living through with this pandemic. And as we have been forced to slow down, many have had to realize that sometimes we have been building on very poor and shaky foundations. We thought those foundations were strong and great. But even as Chuck challenged us last week to put God first in all things, if that foundation has been anything other than Jesus, it will crumble. Finally, Daniel gets to the interpretation of the dream. Verse 36. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands, he has placed all mankind and the beast of the field and the birds of the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them. You are the head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. There is so much good stuff here. Daniel clearly respects the one in authority over him. Daniel tells the king, the God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. And to tell you the truth, you just did not tell kings in that day that their power came from somewhere else. They thought of themselves as God. But Daniel says to the king, it all comes from the God of heaven. Do you know that who and what you are, what we are, comes from God also? Daniel identifies Nebuchadnezzar as the head of gold. He was the most powerful man in the world. But if he's not gotten it already, Nebuchadnezzar should begin to understand that his dream was really a nightmare because his kingdom would be replaced and the next kingdom would be replaced and then that kingdom would be replaced and then that kingdom would be replaced 
by the actions of this rock striking at the foundation. The scholars will tell us that this kingdom imagery is referring to the great powers of the ancient world, the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans. And you remember the ruthlessness of the Romans in Palestine at the time of Jesus. King Herod, with Roman support, had tried to kill baby Jesus. And in the dream now, a rock strikes and destroys this weak foundation. And we know that King Jesus in the New Testament is presented as a rock, the cornerstone. And actually, Peter, the rock himself, says in 1 Peter 2, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Peter continues, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And then Ephesians 2, Paul says, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Jesus is the foundation of the church and of our individual lives. On Christ, the solid rock, we must stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Daniel closes his interpretation to the king, and he says it even more strongly, that an everlasting kingdom is coming. Verse 44, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ has been like a pebble rolling downhill and growing. No one at the time of the crucifixion would have given it a chance. A handful of followers experienced the power of the resurrected Christ and the church and his followers continue to grow today. Many throughout the centuries have seen the risen Christ empowering and living through his people. The truth of this message of grace has invaded the lives of men and women, boys and girls, the powerful and the humble. And it is still doing that today as we live like the church is supposed to live, even like Daniel, in humility, seeking the good of others, sharing the love of Christ, seeking to be and to make disciples advancing his kingdom. Daniel worshiped. He lived in community. He served others. And may we be the same. The world will see it if it is lived out in humility. And that is what happened with Daniel. Verse 46, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you were able to reveal this mystery. It looks 
here like the king is moving toward this God in heaven. But we will see the battle that takes place in his heart next week. Verse 48, then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Daniel takes a stand to do right to live justly, rescuing others. And he is honored along with his friends. As we live through this pandemic, the God of Daniel is far different from the gods of the ancient world. The God of heaven is personal and he is involved in our lives. This series on Daniel calls us like Daniel, to resolve and consecrate ourselves, to stand firm and strong on the solid foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the God in heaven. May we not want to go backwards to any mediocre normal, especially if in any sense the foundation was anything but Jesus. God has something far better for us as he has promised to continue the good work he has started in us. Daniel compels us to see the amazing provision and protection of our sovereign God, leading us to prayer and praise and proclamation of him. May we be freed from our small dreams. May we trust and walk boldly where Jesus leads. The dream of the king and Daniel ended with the everlasting kingdom of the God of heaven. Our king shall reign forever and ever, king of kings and Lord of lords. We're gonna be closing with a very powerful song, Raise a Alleluia. I want to encourage you to listen to the words and imagine Daniel singing this song and then engage your own heart and your own voice and walk the path that he has put before you. Let us pray together. Our Father, we know that we certainly are distanced socially from each other. Father, we ask, though, that you would not allow us to be disconnected socially from each other or from our great God. It's easy to identify the problems that are out there, but what, may we not miss the opportunities that are before us in these days. Help us this week, O oh Father, to stand on the solid foundation of Jesus as we seek to pray and praise and proclaim. May we be disciples advancing Christ's kingdom in our worship, in our community, and in our service together. Amen.